Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Legends podcast. I'm your host, Jim Klaus Hero. Today, joining me are two guests. I have Don Ilya. He is a consistent high-level uh, ladder finisher and the winner of the last Sunday uh, Championship Series, as well as consistent views on in the Monday tournament. How are you doing today, Don? Hi there. It's more about competition, to be honest. Uh, it's always good to say to have the prize pool because it incentivizes a better competition. Like if you can see, if you look at the ESL, there is not much competition going on there. So people try this tournament, this format, pretty cool one, but without big prizes, I think they're all only giving up some card packs with codes. Okay. All and right. people just stop playing it. Yeah, I see what you say. I mean, and all right. And my other guest, also a consistent high legend finisher, as well as have some great tournament finishes. I think, Icarus, you are the reigning champion of the Monday tournament. How's it going, Icarus? It's going pretty well. Like, uh, finished last season as 12th, I guess, in the ranked. And, um, yeah, I'm doing pretty fine today. Excellent. All right. So let's move on to our first topic. Uh, the topic is, how do you guys prepare for tournaments? You know, there's been a several, I've talked to several high-level players. There's, I don't want to, like, announce the people who are on teams, but you can probably guess if you, you know, watch enough streams. I know Flex mentioned in his video, him, PDMD, and his most recent video, him, PDMD, Rallis, and you can call me Al, we're on a team. They get together, they do practice, they work on decks. So I'm curious. So I'm going to swing this question by uh, Don Ely. How do you prep for tournaments? So to be honest, I have few different approaches. I'm trying to use them all and see which one is better. I think having a partner is a really good one. The one I didn't test yet. But the one approach is to try and think your lineup depending on for what format you're playing. So just trying to work with the theory so without much testing and so on and sometimes it might work for some tournaments so like if you remember my token monk in Sunday tournament i didn't test it a lot it was more about theory and this is more of a four deck filler but i think it worked fine especially in token mirrors another approach is to base your decisions on statistics like you're just turning on your deck tracker, playing lots of games, or having a good Excel type table, and just having the statistics and making your decisions based on that, trying to figure out what the matter is, trying to predict what's going to see on the tournament. So lots of stuff going on, lots of things to consider. So I don't think that there's general rule for those who are trying to be competitive. Okay, so what do you, do you find the formats, so right now we have, let's see, the last man standing and the sideboard tournaments you enter, do you find one a bit harder to prep for the other? I'm not sure. I want to say that 
talking about these formats, first of all, I don't like any of these because every format has its problems. And I think there might be something, the one format without this pro these problems because there's not much stuff going on in terms of formats. They're all long time ago established things. Some of them coming from Magic the Gathering and so on. But yeah, sure, it, of course it affects what format you're trying to play. So a sideboard one is a whole other story. I think you should really have a partner for it to test all the things. And the last hero stand in, in, the, in the Conquest one, I think they might be pretty similar in what you're trying to bring. Interesting, very interesting. So now I'd like to swing the question of tournament prep to Icarus. How do you prep for the tournaments? Do you have a team or do you, like Don Ilya, you kind of have like your spreadsheet and kind of get your information there? Well, so first of all, I think the most important thing to do is uh, to read the tournament rules because like you can really do much uh, with different tools and you really need to think about the different uh, ruling and the format settings. Like, um, I'm currently playing alone most of the time and uh, like I played Hearthstone in a team, but um, this is some time ago. Uh, I like it more to uh, just prep alone, I guess. And um, the difference between the format, uh, for example, is that um, in when you have something like a sideboard, some decks really become bad. Mm. And uh, which are uh, decent on the ladder, and you really uh, need to think about which deck you shouldn't bring to the tournament. So something like um, the Rage uh, Crusader is something which uh, is really, really bad in this format. So uh, if you bring the deck, and you open and have something like a wizard hand cultist in the sideboard, you usually just have lost. There's nothing you can do, and uh, things like this uh, can happen in the sideboard uh, format, which doesn't happen in something like the conquest. Okay. Now, interesting. The current sideboard tournament is a 10-card sideboard. Do you think if we were to shrink that, that would be healthy for the tournament? Um... So instead of 10, maybe 7, as I felt, I'm not sure if you feel it, and you can definitely tell us, but I feel that like a 10, the larger the sideboard, it favors certain cards, certain decks more. Uh, Mage coming to mind, a 10-card sideboard is really very strong for Mage, and I think maybe it would help bring the sideboard into line, reducing it to possibly 7. I, d I think that in general, the sideboard format is uh, really weak for the uh, controlling decks, because uh, like you can... In the current meta, uh, decks are not prepped versus control decks. But if you have uh, something like a mid-range deck and uh, have some sideboard cards which are anti-control cards, uh, like this really helps the matchup a lot. And uh, I don't think that uh, going with the control decks is usually a good choice in this format. Uh, and I think like uh, reducing the, car, um, the number of cards is not so great. Uh, it uh, doesn't have such a significance um, because, like, um, yeah, you have then 
lower um, you lower the amount of cards which you uh, can um, do in order to uh, answer something like control decks but it's uh, like three uh, cards are mostly enough like uh, red, red decks with three resident cultists are enough <laughs> like to just simply crush every control deck I guess okay I see interesting so you I think, think it's a really tricky thing to think about actually because classes are different uh, different classes need different amount of cards to take so i agree that vineyard help hand cultist may be enough for some decks like let's say mid-range or token crusader to have a pretty good edge against control mage something like garnak maybe a triumph jarl against controllers decks which is insane but not every class has such good tools so it may restrict them, and this is more about finding this balance, a good amount of cards, which doesn't make, uh, let's say, red color particularly overpowered in what they can do, how they can change their deck to be hard counter to control these decks, and so on. So this is a tricky one. I think this needs a lot of testing in tournament format so right now they only have one tournament which is let's be honest not really in a really good spot in terms of scheduling not so many good players competitive players there so this is going to be more clear when more such tournaments occur absolutely agree there are definitely some uh Administrative things can be done to improve the sideboard tournament, as I do like different formats in general. So we did talk about tournament formats in a previous podcast. However, I do want to ask you about one particular format, and then we'll move on to our next topic. Which I'm going to go ahead and say bring up the uh, strike format. For those who don't know what it is, strike, you bring three decks, but you ban a matchup. So you have your mage deck, you choose to ban the scout mage matchup. So that's why you don't yeah. play that. And I was going to stay, Chris. Now, what do you think of that format? Yeah, I played it a, bit, a little bit in Hearthstone, and I don't think it's uh, like really, uh, like really, really different. Um, like you bring, you obviously bring like three decks which have uh, overall good matchups and um, try to ban like uh, the worst ones. Uh, usually you bring three decks and then two and have then something like uh, best of five and um, so um, in general it um, maybe uh, increases the skill you need to um, bring some decks which uh, have extreme other matchups so uh, the opponent bends the wrong one and uh, like you get the good ones for yourself and yeah so like other decks than the meta decks can really shine there and i think i'm a bit surprised about this format since i'm the one i think who brought the discussion about it and i would really like to see this more being tested because 
I think it might bring more diverse meta in the tournaments. Not really sure how fair this point is, but at least we can try it now, since there's no big tournament scene from Bethesda or Direwolf, so they can try different stuff, see how it goes, maybe it might work better. Absolutely. I do think Strike seems like a very interesting uh, format. Definitely glad to get you guys input on that. But I'm very glad you brought up Bethesda because that is our next topic, actually. Bethesda in the official tournament scene. Now, I found this very interesting because no one really complained about the official tournament scene until Gwent's big announcement. That was the difference in my, from what I noticed. You know, we were... I mean, there was talk of it, no doubt. There was definitely players saying they wanted some Bethesda events. But after the Gwent um, thing popped up, I saw at least four five different topics on the Reddits. Everywhere in chats, people are discussing it in the uh, various streams. So, is the official tournament scene needed right away? Is it really going to hurt the game? Uh, so I'll swing this to Don. What do you think? So this is also a tricky one to answer. I consider that an esports scene is more of an end game content. So this is how I feel this looks like for me, especially. So when you have a good collection, you want something to do, actually. And the tournament scene is a really cool thing in this regard. And I think this might be a problem half a year or a year later because we've had a really big influx of new players with the mobile release so let's say half a year later we're going to have an established collection and we want something more from this game tournaments to participate in because there's a lot of good stuff like different arena modes story modes and so on but tournament scene is also needed. I think that establishing and developing tournament scene by Bethesda too early might also hurt. Because if you start a tournament scene, there's no turning back. You have to support it constantly. And I think they're trying to establish some kind of system to make the things easier, easier to create tournaments like this gauntlet system and so on. So I'm sure they're preparing something like this. There's just not much info about it and I think they might see something after PAX, East, PAX West or East, I don't actually remember. So we've been really busy with the QuakeCon and with the new conference. So overall, I hope uh, that it's the case that um, Bethesda prepped something. But uh, from what I've heard from people which uh, talk to Bethesda guys on like something like Gamescom and so on, it's it seems like they are not too sure what to do about like DSL, and um, this hurts me quite a bit. So uh, I really like something to have something like an official tournament, but you can always do it uh, somehow wrong. Like the Gwent uh, tournament is in this case an example for it. Uh, like you have the 
Und uh, the Gamescom was a Gwent tournament for uh, yeah was a Gwent tournament, and you had like uh, the seven top uh, data finisher uh, participating there and uh, one extra and uh, one extra invite slot for uh, like um, uh, which uh, got chosen there. Like there was a tournament. Uh, on the Gamescom, so there was like this ace was a um, um, victor of the tournament there, and um, overall, like the not invited uh, player won the tournament overall, and this is uh, always something which hurts like tournaments, especially when they uh, are like Gwent, uh, which uh, really want to give the impression that it's really skill based, so. Um, yeah. Okay, I definitely understand. Uh, you both got some opinions on that. So, yeah, it's... I agree, it's interesting. So you're seeing the thing, we have like a, a year or maybe even half a year timeline before it starts a negative impact from a lack of tournaments happening. You, would you both agree on that? No, there's also something like... There's... For me personally, there's not enough transparency on what we're working on. But if you remember... Back almost a year ago, in autumn 2016, there's been a big data leak with different stuff about future stories, expansions, and we've seen some abilities and keywords, which we see in the Heroes of Skyrim release. So we've planned such stuff nine months prior to an actual release. So. I think you might you can be sure that they have some pretty big stuff prepared for at least half a year or a year, and we don't have any idea what this might look like. Yeah, yeah like it always takes some time to prepare something, and uh, it's always that you really need to prepare for the next expansion and so on before uh, beforehand, like. You usually work on the next expansion before the actual one is released, but um, yeah, I hope that they do, are doing like a tournament thing, and I hope that I do, they are doing it not uh, the wrong way, like something like inviting uh, um, some players from existing other games is usually a wrong thing, uh, in my opinion. Like, they can uh, increase their view account, but uh, it's usually not good if one of them wins. And, uh, yeah, and usually they don't do too well, like in other games. You know, it's very interesting to me um, how that is. I agree, because it's kind of funny that I think Test is a very, Test Legends is a very weird game, right? Um, if you look at, like, the betas of certain games, like, let's take Gwent, the biggest competition right now, I think that's. You know that's vying because vying for control or rivaling Hearthstone, which neither will really do. But Gwent has the best chance right now. Uh, in the beta, Gwent was pretty big. Like even in our beta, though, it was in Test Legends. It was kind of small. So I think CD Projekt Red felt more comfortable, you know, and ready to. You know, they had they saw the numbers were there, so they were ready to invest and throw into. The uh, you know, and they throw a tournament out while the numbers re I mean, kind of just recently, right? Like a few months ago, these numbers came up 
And if you go a few months back from there, when drop four drops, numbers weren't like this. So I mean, how much? I mean, the tournament seems probably been delayed. I mean, mobile release wasn't too long ago. That was seemed like it got delayed as well. Game wasn't doing too well, so I feel like a lot of things were uh, pushed back, and I felt like it was held back by lack of numbers. Now the numbers are have, are there, but now it seems like. I'm not sure what their target goals are for what kind of you know numbers they're looking for before releasing a tournament. But I do believe it is PAX West is going on. So I do believe uh, some sort of announcement would be great. I'm not sure if they have a booth even actually, but I definitely think the early numbers like being so low affected the entire schedule. You know, about is it a worthwhile endeavor to host a large tournament? if you don't really get the numbers. However, it is Bethesda. They are a rather big company. They, you know, have been in the gaming industry for quite some time. People know who they are. So throwing them, throwing that out there, like a big tournament would attract numbers. But getting big names. Another thing I'd like to say about Gwent, um, I hate talking about it so much, but that is the biggest rival, is Life Coach coming over. Now, he's a very special case because he was already retired, so he doesn't need, like, the sponsorships or being on the teams as much. As some of the other players who, who uh, are relying on their income, so but having a bit like name like that did like boost the numbers quite a bit, I'd say. You know, he was consistently bringing in a few thousand people while he'd stream, and that's a nice little you know chunk of change again. Those card game players, and then that adds the word of mouth kind of marketing, and that just adds to it all. And I'd like so, to. This one was really important and. But I like uh, the point of Pete Hines saying back in the fall of the Dark Brotherhood expansion because if I'm not mistaken, fall of the Dark Brotherhood came in pretty close to Hearthstone's story expansion in Ongoro and I like the point that our competitors are always gonna do something. So I like this approach in the sense that they're not trying to copy what Gwen does because if they're not comfortable with with this approach it might work even in a negative manner so they're doing what you they feel comfortable with this and there are sure, sure some things you want to see improved in terms of maybe uh, transparency of what's going on maybe some more hype building and advertising in some things but I think it might be fine in the end. So I think they know what they're doing and I'll try to stay positive in this regard. Absolutely. And Icarus, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like uh, big names are all, like to the big names, big names are always good uh, to come over and um, like this one with life coach really helped uh, Gwent and um, it's a little bit sad that we don't have like uh, some big names like really big names come over here to earn uh, TSL because I really like the game the most at the moment from all the card games like I played them all and um, yeah I hope that uh, I hope that the player base overall will uh, improve a lot in the next 
yeah. in the next months and uh, so hopefully they're going to have and uh, to some extent a big tournament Absolutely. you know there are also two interesting things to mention about tournaments in i'm not quite sure but i think if i remember it correctly i've heard it on the Bethesda stream or somewhere else that short after the mobile release they're going to uh, talk about their future plans on tournament scene and it didn't happen uh, what happened is all these twitch drop talks about things and it really brought all the attention so this is a negative thing for sure that they didn't talk about tournament scene much but this recent ESL go for tournament after all these talks about tournament scene I'm not quite sure that this is a coincidence so this might be a sign actually hopefully, hopefully something comes up as they've shown because I mean we, I think I think the health their player base growth is healthy but I also was there when there was only like 200 people total watching the streams. So, from my perspective, it's, you know, the growth has been pretty exponential. I, I, that's not even a word, but you know what word I wanted. I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks. <laughs> but uh, it's been pretty amazing to see it grow this way. I mean, of course, it's not the biggest game right now, but we're, you know, we're beating some top games in viewership. We're getting the viewership. And the, uh, I think it's like this outstanding growth, but yeah, I think tournament scene people people won't want that. And I think uh, we'll move on to our next topic now. How would you structure it? We did briefly touch on how do you like structure from which format to use, um, and how do you handle invites? You know, like if they were to do a how about this maybe a test legends in uh, you know invitational would you would have you know how, like what do you think would be fair i guess how would you structure it i'd say let's start with that how do you structure it from like invites to formats to prizes how would you structure it and i'll toss this one over to icarus so uh, overall i don't like too much to invite uh, players from other games um I don't think it really helps a lot. Like you could always invite like Trump or Crip or something like this and get um, probably a, a few more viewers. But uh, like usually uh, they would drop out in the first round, I guess. Uh, it's uh, like it's not that easy to uh, go to another uh, game and to do that well in it. And um, I like the approach the most that you give, like, for example, uh, you, you could have like a tournament for the top 8 finisher or something like this. Uh, so you go to the competitive approach, more like uh, to uh, like the entertainment approach by uh, just getting the most popular uh, gamers there. I see. But uh, you usually get uh, like more viewers with uh, the more um, casual approach and invite like the popular streamers. Oh, definitely. What do you think about that, Don? I think this is a fair point, and but I would like to see all the approaches. To be honest, if this is, if they have resources to do 
everything, and that's fine. But it's, it's obvious that this should not be the case with Cheso. It shouldn't be their focus. But because this thing with life coach, what happened with the grant is just, in my opinion, an, ex an exception, some kind of luck, randomness, kind silence, the thing which happened in a really good time, a bad time for Hearthstone and a good time for Gwent in terms of hype. So that's why it worked, but I don't see that such things will work really good with things like inviting creep, for example, because you know how much toxicity there might be, then you're trying to advertise some kind of competitor or another game which is similar to the one you're playing the one you have a good collection maybe you put some money in it and seeing something which can potentially replace or take its place take, bring bring some attention from it you're not going to be so satisfied okay yeah I mean, I do find it interesting because I don't know. I guess I'm a little skeptical about invites, and it's funny. I guess I agree with you. Life coach is the exception because he was, of course, retired already, like I said earlier, and he was able to switch games. I mean, even if this is, we could talk about how this is probably better than Hearthstone, right? But it doesn't really matter because all the big names are making all their money from Hearthstone. Um, the tournament scene, you can invite players, but will they stay even at the tournament? You know, will they? I mean, it does get it does uh, invoke viewership for this tournament. Uh, so, but you want to also, I guess it's hard to structure. If you were to do like a 16-man tournament, how many spots go to ladder places? You invite streamers, and of course, you're gonna invite you know big names in the card game world. Make it fair. I personally want to see more like a league format, almost like how do I put this? Well, maybe more like coming from StarCraft, they'd have. The league, so you play somebody from your league, you play some games, several games from your league every week, and then you get points, league points from you know winning and losing. And after at the end of the month, there was like the league, you know, the final tournament, depending on your points, the top 16, eight players from that league would be able to uh, would be in the monthly tournament, which eventually would probably culminate culminate into the end of the year tournament. For, which is the big like world tournament? I really like that league format. Uh, I think it's very interesting as, it, and it also makes it kind of easy for scheduling. You play several matches a week. People can watch that. It's like, hey, this is the official league. This is a game for casting. They show these games, and then in the month, here's a leader. You know, leaderboard lets you see the points. You know, you can get to see playing. Of course, you probably wouldn't want to do that as the first tournament. I'd say you probably would want. Something more as a uh, invitational, so you can get the big names in there. But I guess the league format could be eight guys from the league, top eight guys from the league, four from the ladder, and then four, and then you know four or personalities, be that people like Kraparian, Kalento, or just streamers in general. So you know, I mean, that's just I just threw those numbers out there. Definitely could structure that in a different way, but personally, I do think. It would, and I think a league format would be exciting to see because you're constantly getting games. You're constantly kind of 
hyping these players up. You have player profiles. And you see this in the Championship Series. They actually show a profile of the players, talk about the player a little bit, show you know, their style. I believe you guys wrote those profiles for yourself, so I think that's uh, very interesting. I think, and I would like to see strike format, right? Like, Bethesda has the resources to make the app, right? Typically, I was personally looking to making app myself for that, like working with some coders and see if we can just get, so we can have people enter their decks and then when they you know, match up, they can pick, ban their matchups, keep it uh, clear across the board. I think there is a possibility of such interface to be on Test Legends Pro. It would have been really great to have something because they already have an existing ban system. So it would have been really great to test some stuff like this there. Yeah, I do think it would. Yeah, I agree. I mean, built in tournament system, of course, would be nice. But of course, I mean, maybe they're working on it. But personally, one thing I would say is, hey, could you, like, this is an update. Like, I'm sure they're working on it, but because bringing a gauntlet just for rumbles and epic rumbles, I think, like, this is just too much work for not the most uh, demanded feature. Yeah, I think that something like uh, Epic Gauntlet or Grand Media is fine to have something like uh, this on the weekly uh, as a weekly event, but uh, as a tournament you always want something uh, like probably more skill based, I would say. And also want to have like uh, to some uh, to some extent, to get uh, like a stream of it, and uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it'd be on the Fitzel Bethesda channel, I imagine, just to kind of help build hype as well. But all right, I think that was a pretty solid look on formats. Um, hmm. yeah, I think we got through our topics pretty quickly here, which is great. But I think. Let's zoom in again from the start. I'm sorry, what was that? I think we might find some more. Things to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's not again. Looking at the chat, there's been. We could talk about the meta at the moment and uh, uh, the development. There's also one point about invitational you've been talking about. I think this is not a great idea to bring different people in an invitational, like taking bringing eight competitive players four personalities and four other guys so I would, I would really like to see separate tournaments for all these categories like let all the personalities uh, battle against each other okay so you want to see like this it might be fun but sometimes it's not really so good you might remember Desol Champ Series uh, inviting DJS, and I think he has been eliminated all three. I'm not even sure if he has been playing there. <laughs> yeah, Rats, Math, and him. Okay, I remember that. They got like. <laughs> and both of these guys were not even streamed, even though DJS. 
Did you have the Euro? Did you have the Euro? That's the thing, you know, it was kind of weird. I think it, it's funny you say that because they weren't streamed. And it's like, you know, that would have been like, I think, for hype, the least streamed their games. It, it might have been really a tech win, for sure, because you can't say because this was all free. If this was one free, then you can say that they just played at least four games. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting they, they came and played. I thought that was cool, but it was a shame they weren't cashed in, so they didn't really get to... I don't know. It's like you build the hype saying they're there. Yeah. They don't show their games. It's like, hey. like yeah, it didn't get the less on that. Yeah, they wasn't yeah. really quite in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Ty forced the tournament, and yeah. Yeah, like, if, you know, if we get, like... I know for a fact if the Monday tournament somehow had, like, a big name player, like, one of these, I'd definitely make the effort to cast their game, not just because it's like, hey, marketing, essentially. It's marketing, in a sense. Um, and I think, let's see. Um, but one thing, we're talking about the meta. How do you, I think while we're in tournaments, it's interesting to see how tournaments affect the meta. So right after the last Sunday, Don Elia, I saw your item assassin deck quite a bit on the ladder. I always find that so interesting that how how powerful. Not not my um, oh. frankly saying this is excellence tech. And for me this was more of a third tech filler. I didn't test it much, but I really like how it was performing against control decks, and it didn't help me a lot because in the first two rounds I faced two players with four control decks lineups, <laughs> and they just banned it. So. I didn't have didn't even have a chance to test it a bit more in the tournament. So I've been starting with this deck, just saying, okay, this loses. Then I'll start from scratch with two token decks, which I'm really confident in. Absolutely, it's okay. I've seen you play those token decks played in a while, but I do find it great how just how the tournament series affects it. I mean, I remember CVH CVH one. He did very impressive uh, a few weeks back. There was a very impressive item source for a deck that I popped up everywhere. So, how do you guys feel the meta influences the tournament sync influences the meta? Do you think it's a strong impact on the meta, or not very? I think I'll toss it to Icarus. How do you thought your thoughts? Uh, I think it's a strong influence, especially uh, it influences also the meta Snapchat, and it's uh, really wrong in my opinion how they write some text. But uh, like. I don't really agree that tokens are that oppressive at the moment. Like, uh, but when you, for some reason, when you play on the ladder, you mostly uh, find either token decks or decks which loses to tokens, which is kind of strange. So uh, <laughs> then uh, tokens become really good. And um, I think, uh, like, Probably most uh, people are thinking wrong about tokens and uh, try like the wrong stuff to uh, win versus tokens. Uh, they think that Storm would win them the game versus tokens, but uh, it's not really the case. Like a strong early game is usually the key to win the matchup with tokens, I guess. Okay. You, uh, you, can, you can say the same, the same thing about Rap Scout. There are either decks which win against them or not. In this regard, I think this is pretty <laughs> balanced. This is not yeah. for stream, but yes, it is. Yeah, 
That's your dog? Okay. Sorry. Right. I just heard a dog barking. I think is a really strange example on the ladder because it's uh, like really, really weak and for some reason like in the meta snap plots I voted it to tier 1 and uh, it's uh, like loses to everything and yeah that is on its tier 1 tier I guess. I guess it's interesting like Gram Scout like it's a very interesting thing it's like people are I think people are just angry seeing Ram Scout and tokens but personally I don't see too much Ram Scout. Sir you definitely remember the Ram Scout games but in my personal experience they're not like as Rampant as they were at one point. I see token decks quite often and I see a few mid-range decks, but I'm not seeing scouts everywhere. However, I think people queue up with the control decks to try to take out the tokens, which they most likely see. However, then they face maybe two, three games versus scouts and that is what they see. Because ladder experience can be extremely inconsistent for different players, so Playing different days, can you can see very different decks. So one day you're facing ramp scouts, next day you're facing tokens. So always, this, is, this is a hard thing to say. It also always depends really hard on the time zone which you are playing. Like uh, when you're playing, like all around the 24 hours, you will see at a certain time you see more control decks, you in a certain time you always see more aggro decks, and at a certain time then there are more mid range decks, and uh, it's like always the same, I guess. It's like it's the same cycle again and again to some extent, and yeah. This is very true because I've seen it after streaming for a bit because after I play in my usual time, then I tried to take some sleep and play at 6 or 7 a.m. I started facing players from top 100 I didn't face in my usual time and this is a whole other thing. And talking about an influence on the tournament scene, I think it might, the letter might influence quite a bit, but it really depends on players playing in the tournaments. So let's say if you're talking about guys like Romanesque and Turkhans lane, I don't think that ladder affects their decisions that much because they can play literally everything. But talking about less experienced players, it influences them in a really big manner, I think. That's right. Okay, I definitely agree with this. I mean, it's very interesting to see like it's funny because some players I just don't play due to their time zone, so I just never get the chance to play. Like typically, I don't get to play Snaxy Man because Snaxy Man streams. Well, I'm actually at work when he's streaming, so then I go back and <clears throat> never play that. So I guess the latter experience would be very different because the players you play and that's oh you know the influence. Speaking of influence, I think it's actually very funny to think about because the high level players in the morning who are streaming and the personalities that are known. I don't influence that time frame almost, right? So when people see Link play a deck in the evening, well, in USA time, right? And when he oh, that's, say his stream, that's also true, yeah. See, they're gonna play his decks more, but and then people in Snaxy's time though, on the opposite end, they're gonna play more the decks that Snaxy plays. They're gonna copy him, 
So the influence of the you know personalities, the top players. And then are... you have the meme time zone where uh, Met Oblivion streams. <laughs> exactly, the golden time zone, right? Exactly. So it's a, you know it's kind of cool to see like that that influence from the streamers in the tournament. You know, you'll see that they'll see that names in the tournament. They catch the stream. They copy the that's when they play. They copy the deck, and then boom. You know. And I think Matt is a, not a good example. I don't see spoilers. I didn't see spoilers for half a year. <laughs> we saw go we see gobbles. The last time Matt won against my control mage and Gladiator series. It, I think it was the last time I've seen spoilers actually. But right now in the times next man plays I've started seeing arrest mages. Yeah. And later when Link and Romanesk start playing, you can see more tokens, I think. Because in my usual time I don't see tokens. And like the Crusader, which I stream for some reason. I'm not so sure about the deck, like, uh, I don't really like it too much. The Rage Crusader, but yeah. So, like, I pat myself on the back of being the one to start off the arrest mage shenanigans. Good job, Jim Class Hero. You ruined the meta. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah. In the Rage Crusader, Romaness has been playing that, and I've seen that list more often, actually. In my time, because Roman, and it's interesting. And then Link streamed a really weird warrior deck, and lo and behold, I countered that deck twice on my ladder. <laughs> so, so it's very interesting to see that influence from the tournament and the content creators there. But all right, we are. I'd like to open up the time for some questions from the chats. I do like to leave some time open to uh, throw that. Oh wait, well, we already have a question. Rubber Ducky182 asks, "Are you guys saying that deck choice is time zone and country dependent?" Uh, I wouldn't say dependent. I'd say country and time zone influenced. Because Snaxy, like I think Snaxy and Link are two great examples on the counting yeah. opposite ends of the you know time they stream. So when people, so when Snaxy plays a deck, people watch who are awake in that time and able to watch him play, are more likely to play his decks. And because that's the time they're awake or not at work, that you know, there's also a counterpoint because if they're watching Snaxman, they are not playing the game. <laughs> I see him <laughs> in the background, so this is a tricky one as well. Sure. But if he is in the background, they just tune in, stay on his stream, copy in his deck, and start playing. And yeah, so many little Snaxman go into the ladder. You see monks, arrest mages, and such stuff. Exactly, so <laughs> there's a counterpoint, like it could be the inverse actually, <laughs> but in my experience it is like the current, that's, but of course everyone's ladder experience is different. Deformed ask Imperials or Stormcloaks, um, Imperials, I don't know why you trust Ufric. I mean, in Skyrim I believe everyone in this chat was intelligent enough to pick Imperial inside of the Imperials. But then again, I played the game like a thousand times. Uh, let's see. Uh, yep, Crusader does Doomroll Scout. I agree. How someone asked, how does orcs how beat scouts? You just smash their faces. You're very fast compared to them. They can't really keep up with you at times, for the most part. I mean, sure. There's also there's also a cool forgotten card, Blackboard Necromancer. It works really good against control mages. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're scouts. Hmm. 
Absolutely. That's actually a very good card because it gives you something back from your graveyard to deal with. I think orcs in general, right? You can run Blackboard Necromancer. You also run the orc that reses an orc and buffs your orcs. The, um... What's that card? I can pull it up on my screen here. The five mana epic. Uh, uh, the Militant Chieftain, huh? Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Militant Chieftain found them. This guy is pretty good because he gives you more ammo to get face up. Let's see. Ray Ray Barker asks, do you agree or have a reaction to a notion that a competitive scene would lead to more healthy metagames too? If people are being paid to solve a format, it happens quicker and can be reached quicker if there is an unbalance. <laughs> Interesting. So a competitive scene would, yeah, honestly, I think it would. So a competitive scene will always uh, influence more net hacking, so you will always see the um, like the decks which are played in the uh, games more often, and um, yeah, to some extent, say like it's not really being becoming more healthy, uh, but uh, if there is an exploitable deck, it will show up there, and then. Uh, it might get uh, balanced a little bit sooner. Yeah. I suppose it leads to people trying to solve the meta, right? Like, because you just have... Cause, like, let's say there's a $1,000 prize pool. It's going to have a, a lot more people playing the game and aiming to get that cash, right? Let's say first place gets 1000 bucks, and it's official Bethesda tournament or whatever have you. It's going to make people look at... People are going to consider the data, like... What am I seeing? People are, token decks are very popular, so people are going to target token decks and scout. And perhaps you get more builds. However, also I do want to mention that with deck targeting, like I guess the counterpoint is some decks um, won't actually, how about this, be ladder friendly. I guess there's going to be decks that are, in turn, some decks are going to be very tournament specific, you know, considering the matchups and, uh, and such. There's like people are like it's a very a very heavily teched against scout deck or heavily teched against token deck or whatever decks they feel like me to be the biggest issue or most popular may you know come into play that normally wouldn't be the greatest on ladder. I know Romanesque was playing and Link were actually playing a Monka deck that was very teched against the aggressive token decks. Uh, yeah. Yep, you're saying. Yeah, you can uh, like avoid a matchup completely in some tournaments, so um, like by bending scout and so on, which is then on the ladder not so great because you always have like these scouts which have like nearly a hundred percent win rate against you, and uh, so some decks become really good in tournaments which are not that strong on the uh, ladder, but uh, yeah. It's not also not that you see Scout too often, or you shouldn't at least uh, see Scout too often. Yeah, okay. And Don, do you have any thoughts on that? I think I have a good thought about topic of bringing what decks you bring to the ladder. I want to mention a video Charmer had on this topic. I think you wrote a good one about what decks you're bringing in. So. People usually tend to play more mid-range things with maybe a bit lesser win rate, but playing games 
let's say, two times faster. So this is also one thing to always consider talking about ladder experience. Because you're bringing, to the tournament, you're bringing the highest win rate tech possible. And to the ladder, you have to always think about this balance uh, of playing faster game with a bit of lesser win rate and so on. I don't completely agree with this. Like, you don't really bring in the tournament the uh, best win rate decks. Uh, you can more likely also bring in some uh, tournaments some unusual decks, which, are, like, a lot of players have problems with playing versus unusual decks, which I, they haven't seen before or, like, don't really know what they are uh, supposed to do. So this can really increase your win chances in tournaments. This might be the case in the future, but it doesn't really work in Tesla Champ series since tech lists are revealed. So this is a good point, but this is this doesn't work in this particular tournament. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's turn to the chat for some more questions. Okay, so this wasn't a question, but an interesting point by PDMD. People complaining about the meta just don't want to adapt to the meta. And I'm going to have to say there's a lot of truth to that statement. I kind of agree there. Um, I remember when the meta was very heavy control and people would complain about that. And they were just told to get good. So now I think that is, the meta is a little more aggressive. You know, it's kind of the inverse. And the people who were saying get good to the you know people before are now suffering from the cycle of metas as... They come, they go, they change. I guess as it's... I mean, this may not be my favorite meta, but I can't complain too much about it, as it's just how it goes. People are going to deck deck and play what they believe are the most optimal decks. But I do think the meta has shifted a bit, so if you, if I can take it back to when Heroes of Skyrim first came out, um, it seemed that, let's see, it was very scout-heavy. Then mid-range decks came to rise to take out the scouts. And then uh, take out the mid-range and scouts, the token decks had a pretty decent matchup for both. Uh, I think mid-range was pretty good against them. But then control decks have come back a bit even, actually, I think. In my opinion, I, I've been playing a rest mage doing pretty well against most decks. I mean, I'm beating the decks I should beat. Uh, and scouts, I think, is actually... Well, this... My rest mage is differently teched, so it does a little bit. It actually has a stronger matchup versus scout. Scout's too favored, mind you, but I am able. It's you know I think control decks are still available. In fact, I've seen quite a bit more control around the time I play. The uh, of course you see people playing control mage. The streamers that stream on my team are playing control mage or that control crusader, which has been coming up. So I think that has influence. In my opinion, your arrest mage is more likely to influence uh, meta the way tokens influence it. So I think we might see this in a week or so. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. So uh, hopefully, uh, like right now, I, there's a part of the meta which I don't like too much. This is uh, like the monoid aggro decks or something like the mono red aggro deck because uh, you 
like as a player when you play them uh, you really don't have a lot of choices and uh, as a player <laughs> which is opposed them you don't really have a lot of choices so it's um, it's always like uh, really draw dependent and I really like more the matchup which are like more choice dependent than uh, card draw dependent I guess okay interesting yeah I think it's Speaking of dependency, what do you guys think about the ring, actually? This has been a hot topic that I'd like to ask. Uh, I think the ring, in some matches, it greatly warps them. In other matchups, it doesn't affect at all. But I think the ones that it do that, that does greatly warp, like, in the aggro versus aggro mirror, you know, who gets the ring is now strongly favored to win, I believe. It really hard depends on the, uh, on the aggro deck which you are playing. If you talk about tokens, it doesn't affect it too much. Like in token versus token, it doesn't affect it too much. Like it's uh, slightly favored for the for the ring, but it's not that heavy. If you talk about like I rush you in the pace deck, then it's heavily dependent uh, on the ring. Yeah, and Don, you have any thoughts on that? I'm not entirely agree. There's the point that it doesn't affect the token mirror. If you think about it the way like the game is usually decided by turn four or five not always so but sometimes depending on the draw you can really say which one which player is really favored and one of the players have three additional magicka by turn five so this is a high percent of, a higher percentage of additional magicka relative to the turns so if you were speaking about currently non-existent mid-range decks like previous mid-range assassin, temple mage, we've had a longer games like eight or nine turns and so on. So it was more balanced across across the matchup. Okay, I see. Yeah, I agree. I think it does have an influence, and it's. I've seen a lot of players talking about it, so hopefully it's something like a cooldown, which means you just can't use it completely curve out, would be kind of cool. Let's see, another and another question we have is, what do orcs lose to uh, control decks, I guess? Something like that can control mages, yep, that's what everyone's going to be saying. Mid-range decks. Mid-range decks, okay, mid-range. As well, I think as someone who plays a lot of control decks, I think typically orcs are, while annoying, I typically have an easy time kind of. I guess when you have things that can like effective trades, right? Ice storm being pretty good, it kills most orcs. A few do survive, and I, guess I don't completely agree that uh, I think control decks are not that great versus uh, orc decks. I think like the blue base mid-range decks are usually favorite for the sin and uh, this is because of something like the cunning ally which really trades great and gives you the firebolt and which kills a lot of things which she can have and yeah. yeah. And yeah, Don, do you have anything on the orcs, what beats orcs uh, question there? I think I've had great success with faster decks and I also have problems against faster decks with orcs myself. And then it usually comes down if your top deck stone to or stone shard dark. I don't really remember this mud crab with 
each throws the boulder on free magicka, depending on how many orcs you have in play. This one really influences mid-range mirrors and how you play against aggro. And if you don't have any, it might be really hard for an orc to regain the board control. You might think about it like some kind of mid-range sorcerer, a really strong deck if it gets the board control and it just starts snowballing from this point on. And if it, if it loses a board control, this is usually very hard for an orc to come back one way or another. Absolutely. <laughs> Interesting, okay. But it's also hard to say, so many different deck lists you can see. So, your experience or my experience can vary a lot. Okay, let's see. We have some interesting things in the chat. Riri asks again. I want to play. I want to play tokens, but I don't have it all premium yet. Should I wait it out, or just hope I don't draw those five cards? I mean, you can play it, but if you draw one of your non-premiums, you have to auto-concede. Like, it's like even if you're about to kill him that turn, if the card you top deck is a non-premium card, you do have to auto-concede that. I think that would be the appropriate way to handle that. You should play token monk. It's uh, more uh, better than the other token versions, and it's. Uh... Pretty cheaper to get all premium ones. Chanter or no chanter? No chanter. Damn it. <laughs> ah, come on, no memes. Alright, but we have some information from a dev. I'm going to read out Maricon's comment. First versus second yeah. is incredibly close, by the way. He says, surprising that it's still a big debate. There are a lot of card games that aren't nearly as close to 50 50, that's for sure. Uh, his following statement is, for example, in the last month across all ranks, Going first is favored by about 2.5%. Across Legend play, going first is favored by about 0.5%. I'm going by Mary. I'm going at home, but I see the stats that far off, and the ring is definitely not favored. Now that's excellent to see that data, and I'm very, very pleased that you had it separated by uh, Total Ladder versus Legend Ladder. Interestingly enough, it shrinks when you get to this Legend Ladder. I personally think that in the Legend Ladder there are a lot of misplays, and in the top uh, Legend it's uh, really favorable to get the ring. I think if you don't misplay too much, like Tempo is really, really, really hard important. And uh, yeah, I think it uh, influences some matchup really great and some are like it doesn't really matter too much and uh, but overall I think like the ring is favorite in a lot of matches. I agree with this one. I would really like to see some stats for let's say top 100 legend because with the amount of players there are more than 2500 players in legend so it might also vary for different players. And I think that in lower legends, there's one thing. If you have the ring, you're, you're usually an aggressor. And you usually start breaking the runes the first. But I don't think that this is a good way to play a token mirror, for example. And the first rune break prophecy might also inflate, turn around the game completely or second rune break. And I think this might be the case why statistically it is uh, pretty evenly balanced. 
but from from players playing tournaments, uh, I usually also see uh, the point that Arena of Magic is better, and I myself also more comfortable playing it with the ring than not one. Okay. Uh, Maricon follows up with, even if that trend continues, the top 100 is favored 1% to second. That's still close to 50-50, which is excellent, I'd say. However, my I do appreciate Maricon actually, who is a dev, sharing those stats. That's actually really cool to get a kind of behind the look, under the hood view. That's really cool. Appreciate that. Also, I do want to mention, though, my question is, that doesn't really account for matchups, I'd imagine, you know? Because, in, like, for instance, control versus control, the ring, I guess, is nice, but it's not, you know, I, I doubt, I think it's, I doubt it's uh, that big of a deal. But in yeah, a, a mid-range versus mid-range, I think it'd be a lot more skewed for the ring player, for instance. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... Like the ring is uh, really good uh, for the players and which have it, and it's like really a thing which can also uh, improve uh, your misplay rate by a bit, but because you can do a lot of things with the ring, and uh, you have really more options, and with more options uh, you are more likely to misplay. So. Uh, I think this is a case though. It might also influence some control matchups because of the fact that Thorny Magic turn might allow you to use some kind of different combos and so on. Yeah, this was more the case in the past where um, control match was played with something like uh, what is the card called? Brilliant experiment, like you can could put uh, Manticore into a coin, brilliant experiment, and later on, so you can get like the Manticore on your turn back into your hand, which is really important. Absolutely. But right now, it's maybe not so important in this in the yeah. control matches. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I think let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of cool to see that data, though. Like, a 1% difference at top 100 with the ring is actually pretty cool. And it's still favoring the first player, first, what I kind of should mention, like, the non-ring player is still winning more. I suppose when, I suppose it comes down to, like, if, you're, if you survive the initial ring curve, you often do get the mana advantage. But, of course... So, actually, the point is that it might be balanced, but we all like to play with the ring. Exactly. <laughs> it might be balanced, but I think it's maybe the feeling you get. I know for a fact, I like to play a lot of control decks, and I love getting the ring just um, to the, deny. There's no point to not trust the stats. If this yeah. is the case, then this is completely good. If they don't uh, nerf it in one way or another, then they're probably okay with it. But we also want to play with the ring. <laughs> have the ring every single game in a tournament. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes the best play is to not use the ring on your turn, which is also not so uh, obvious sometimes. So yeah. You know, I think I gotta start tracking my stats more because I do think the ring is. It might just be a feels thing because I know as a control deck, 
I like to play that, and I see like an aggro deck, and I have the ring. Just knowing I'm denying their curve ability somewhat feels good. So, but I think it's uh, also really hard to uh, track something like this on yeah. the ladder because, like, uh, I can say from my stats that, uh, for example, I have played uh, like Merrick over uh, like 70 games with uh, something like a 85% win rate, which is pretty high, but then like it really doesn't matter too much if you have the ring or not like uh you really can't uh, get like a picture out of it mm, yeah i think there's like this there's too many variables to account for i think that's like, it's very hard to get a solid statistic matchup skill level you know because even top 100 there are misplays right i've made misplays i'm not gonna lie and I've seen uh, some insane. Oh, you never misplay. <laughs> All right, Icarus, watch Icarus's stream, and you'll see a perfect player on time. But um, you yeah. know, I think the letter is not always a good indicator. Yeah, it's very hard to say. Many, yeah. many people don't try that much. Yeah, like even top one hundred, you know, you'll see. It's hard to say because sometimes people play meme decks, right? Like you'll see people relaxing with the music and such stuff. Like usually the top twenty boulders have like in the last 30 games like over a 75% win rate usually I would say and uh, so with a 75% win rate it's really hard to uh, get to the point where you go to like where where's the ring good and what where not like uh, because you have like with the ring and without the ring you have both high above 50% win rate hmm. yeah absolutely it's kind of cool to see, but all right. Uh, I think we are past an hour. We went a bit over, and this was an excellent, a lot of fun talking about this. Let me see the last few round of questions. Do you have any Doom Wolf codes? Perma ban that guy. Asking for a friend, I drops enabled. Perma ban that guy. <laughs> nah, but I do thank you all for coming out here. I'd like to thank my co-casters Don Elan and Icarus for uh, coming out and spending your time to you know, discuss this game. That was really awesome. Uh, appreciate you guys. And, um, well, Don and Icarus, any final thoughts? Yeah, thanks okay. for having us. Right. You go first. Okay, thanks for having us here. And, uh, yeah, I really do appreciate like the podcast and uh, something like this. And... Yeah, see you in tournaments soon. <laughs> Hopefully. Like, Jim Class Hero always streams the mon- uh, not always, usually streams the Monday tournament, and uh, you can watch the tournament here, and yeah, yeah you can do see it. it. And you, this is the one I would really like to see more exposure. This is a really good one, one of a kind in terms of sideboard format, really cool one. Absolutely. So, in fact, let me. You also need more advertisement. You're not marketing it enough. Yeah, gotta talk to the admin team about that. I'm just a caster cap. But actually, let me help them out here. Actually, let me help that team. I will actually post a link to their Discord, the Elder Scrolls, and you know, sign up, ask some questions. Uh, let me. There's that one. Also, follow Icarus and Don Ilya if you guys want to, you know, toss out your, um, you know, your streams, actually. I can just go on Twitter. And let's see. Find you guys there. Actually, I'm not sure if I have you 
uh, on Don on uh, there. And Icarus didn't link his that Twitch account. Feels bad, man. His Twitter. So let me post their like links really quick. So there's Icarus. Definitely follow him. I posted the Monday tournament earlier. And Don. Ilya. Is there any? Is there no dash in your Twitch name? I think there's an underscore. Underscore. There we go. Found it. Any reason for the light bulb? As your icon. What? What again? You have a you have a your icon for your channel. I'm not sure. Is a light bulb. Yep. <laughs> What's the reasoning? So made one. I need I needed something for it. Okay. All right. Cool. And that I posted both of their. Uh, I think these guys will follow. They're excellent players. Excellent time. Thank you all for joining me. I uh, do want to. Thanks for inviting. Anytime. I uh, do want to end this with the question of the week. Um, I guess the hot topic of the question is tournament scene. How big of a deal is it, and how soon do we need it? So I'll be posting that on Twitter. Definitely hit me up there and reply. And again, thank you for following. And thank you for the follows. Thank you to my guests. And thank you for joining us on the 15th episode of the podcast.